0: many things that that claim priority in the life of a local church. I mean, when you think of of maybe churches that you've been um, associated with, um, you think of churches in general, there are many many things that can claim kind of a, a very serious focus Many churches can sometimes focus on we want to be a church that has vibrant ministries for all age groups. And that's a good thing, right? Some churches may focus and say we want to be a church that especially has facilities that are warm and welcoming. That's a great thing, right? In fact, we have trustees Uh, people that that watch over the facilities of this building uh, in ways that many of us walking through don't even realize all of the upkeep and the things that are involved uh, to keep these facilities looking nice. Many churches say, we want to focus and be a church that has outreach events and church family events. And again, there's nothing wrong with those, is there? Many churches will say, We want to be a church with many ministry opportunities to get people plugged into. Others will say we want to be a church that has a quality music ministry during our worship gatherings. That we are to be able to do things with excellence. Are any of those things wrong that that I just mentioned? No, in fact, I would say that our church strives for each of those things. None of those things are bad. In fact, they're desirable for any church. But I wonder, and this is where the danger is, how many churches have lost a sense of priority? How many churches have lost a sense of priority regarding that which is foundationally crucial to a church body versus that which is preferable and convenient in other words just like our own selves churches can often fall into the trap of looking at needs but yet putting wants over those needs we all have needs and we all have wants and the trouble that we face individually, and we find ourselves many times getting into debt, we find ourselves adding stress to our lives, when we put the wants above the needs. And we strive for the wants to the neglect of the needs. And church bodies can do just that. So over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the necessity, the foundation the foundationally crucial necessity of having godly leadership in the local church. Because without godly leadership in the church, everything else, no matter how good it is, will suffer. It's like a cancer in the body. You can be physically fit, you can be a weightlifter, you can be a track runner, but if you have cancer, then that is going to affect everything else. And Paul knew this. And therefore he he begins the body of his letter. Pastor Dennis took um, the last couple weeks to talk about the opening greeting to the letter and how uh, the letter to Titus and how that greeting is so full of gospel truths that we are are to walk lives reflective of the gospel. We are to, to live lives of godliness. And after this opening greeting, he begins the body of his letter with an important exhortation to Titus. And this morning, we're going to look at exactly what this command is that he gives to Titus in appointing, telling him to appoint elders. We're going to look at why he gives this command. We're going to investigate over the next few weeks exactly what an elder is and why they are important. We're also going to ask ourselves how do the truths that we discover in the Bible about elders affect Covington Baptist Church? Because it really does us no good to see what the Scripture says unless we, we take the Scriptures as a mirror and look at our own church. So this morning, the key theme that we have been talking about through our series. Let's say it together. A pure church is a church of gospel-engaged individuals. Let's say it a little bit louder. We need to wake up or something. Do some jumping jacks. Sing Father Abraham. Let's bring the worship team back up. So let's say it robust. A, church, a pure church is a church of gospel-engaged individuals And this morning, we're going to add a little parentheses there. Let's say this, beginning with church leadership. You may say, well, Pastor Adam, I am not a part of the church leadership team. Do I need to just zone out for the next couple weeks? And I would say, no, not at all because what we are talking about this morning are things that we should be striving for, and if we are talking about that the church is one body, like we're discussing in our connection groups, then we want to know that we have a solid foundation of following the biblical pattern of what the Bible says regarding church leaders. So this concerns all of us, but the truth that we're looking at today is that this key principle begins with leadership so this morning we are just going to be looking at verse five and we're going to look at the charge for godly leadership in the local church verse five says this is why i left you in crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So what we first of all have to realize this morning is that the church is not complete without godly leadership. The church needs to realize that there is a necessity for godly leadership. A church cannot function in the right way and be led in the right direction Direction and be, be healthy spiritually, the body without godly leadership. And I just want to note from verse 5, as we just kind of do an introductory uh, overview over this theme of eldership this morning, we're going to see that the reason why there is a necessity for godly leadership that we see from the text is because, number one, it demanded Paul's attention. Paul says to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete. Now, we have a map. This is a map I showed uh, during our introduction into the book of Titus uh, covering Paul's three missionary journeys that are recorded in the book of Acts. He went everywhere. He went through the heart of the Roman Empire, the known world of his day. And as he went throughout all of these cities, and evangelized, local churches were planted. In fact, with our, our mission team uh, last year, or, uh, or the year before, we, we put together a new missions philosophy, and we looked at how does the book of Acts define missions. If we want to be a church that is focused in the, in the right direction uh, with our missions ministry, To go places we cannot, how does the Bible define that? The Bible defines missions as going places. This is rocket science. Going places, telling others about Christ. Individuals uh, receive that message, and guess what happens? Local churches are established. So the focus of Covington Baptist Church with missions is we want to be supporting church. partnering with individuals in places we cannot go globally that are evangelizing and establishing local churches. And this is what the Apostle Paul did throughout the Roman Empire. But Paul had a pattern when he established local churches. Paul's pattern was to install elders in those local churches. He did not just go and evangelize and then a body formed of of believers and then he just left and said, all right, I got you started. Now you can do it and I'll see you later. Elders were established in these local churches. In fact, Acts 14.23 says this, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Acts 14 verse 23 is during Paul's first missionary journey. It's speaking here of the churches of Lystria, Iconium, and uh, Pisidian Antioch. And these churches, Paul made sure, had leaders installed for the spiritual health of the body. In Acts 20, verse 17, it says, Now from Miletus, he being Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Paul spent about two years in Ephesus and he was no doubt instrumental in the establishment of leaders in this church. We see here that when we come to Titus 1 verse 5, that now Paul says something interesting to Titus. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. So something happened that we do not know of, that did not enable Paul to establish elders in this church plant. Something happened that, did, that Paul had to, to leave Crete and therefore he left Titus to carry out this task. Now it's interesting because 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are usually grouped together what we call the pastoral epistles. Because they're written pastorally to Titus and Timothy on how the church is to conduct themselves. It seems to be a slightly different scenario when we come to the book of of 1 Timothy. You see, Paul gives Timothy a set of guidelines uh, for the elders. But it seems like elders were already in place in the church of Ephesus to which Timothy was sent to minister. Here, however, there's no elders. So there is something drastically lacking in this local body. There was no spiritual leadership. This is why I left you in Crete. But then the text continues and says, so that you might put what remained into order. So in other words, not only do we see a great need that somehow, for some reason, Paul was not able to continue the work that he started, so he left Titus, but this command was to be at the top of Titus' priorities. There was, interestingly, that you might put what remained into order you don't necessarily notice this uh, in, the, in your English translation, but there is a plurality of things that, are, 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 that have remained to be put in order. You could also read this so that you might put the things that remain into order. So there was more than just one element Of items that was remaining to be put in order. In fact, we don't have to read far into Titus to see that, whoa, there's a bunch of stuff. Just like in every church. For instance, look at chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. We'll talk about this uh, when we get to that passage. But there was a cancerous growth in the local body that needed to be dealt with. In verse 12, we see uh, the very reputation of the Cretans. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons in chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 we see that there needs to be instruction regarding how the body was to relate to one another verse 2 regarding older men verse 6 urging younger men verse 9 concerning bond servants we see uh, how the body is to function together there was there was a need to put that in order in chapter 3 we see again a need paul says remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. There was a lot for Titus to do. But yet there was one thing that governed all of these things. In fact, I like what what one theologian says. He says this, it's on the overhead the unfinished matters on Crete were more wide-ranging than just appointing pastoral leaders. But for various reasons, some of which will emerge below, until, get this, until the pastoral pool could be enlarged, enhanced, or both, Paul's command to put in order uh, what was, I don't even know how you say that, awry I was about to say airy, I'm glad I asked. What was awry or lacking had only dim prospects of effective implementation. Wow, isn't that interesting? So everything else that Paul, that Paul writes to Titus, in order for these things to fully function, there had to be a plurality of leaders of pastoral elders. One guy couldn't do it all, two guys couldn't do it all. There had to be a plurality of leaders. You see, Titus was commanded to put in order or to correct in the proper order that which was lacking. And just as the quote we just read mentioned, the thing that Paul sig- signals out amongst these many things that needed to be corrected, um, these many things that needed to be put in order, he says at the end of verse 5, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul sing- signals out the selecting of elders so so titus there's a lot of things to put, be put in order but priority number one above all of these things is the appointing of elders in this local body and it's already as i've told you about it's interesting that when paul talks about appointing them appointing these elders. This word is used throughout the New Testament to refer to an appointment of responsibility, an appointment of leadership, an appointment that was a stewardship. In fact, in Matthew 24, 45, you don't have to turn to any of these references, but Jesus, uh, in giving the parable of, of, of the stewards, he says, He talks about whom his master, the steward whom his master has set over his household. In Luke 12, 42, an individual says, Who made, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? In Acts 6, 3, where we are speaking not of elders, we are speaking of deacons. The apostles uh, tell the, 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 the Jerusalem church, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. In Acts 7, Stephen, in giving his sermon to the Jews before he was stoned, says, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, speaking of Moses, Who made Moses ruler over Egypt and over all his household? So Timothy's or Titus's direction was very clear that having the apostolic authority of Paul, Titus is to to come into the local body and to look at the the characteristics that we will get to uh, in, in a bit and to appoint elders to guide and to lead this body. They were put in a position of stewardship, of authority. And not only that, but the text shows us that he was to appoint a multiplicity of elders in this church. Notice the wording here, that he is to appoint elders, that's plural, in every town, singular, as I directed you. Again, going back to Acts 14, verse 23, it says, the pattern for Paul, and when they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church, singular, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had belief. Now, why is there that formula of elders, plural, in church, singular? It is because no one person is entrusted with spiritual authority that goes left unchecked. Many times, this can be abused in churches today. And if if there's anything we see in Christendom, it is the need for a plurality of leaders where within the leadership, iron sharpens iron. And the plurality of leadership, the plurality of elders, is to be able to meet the needs, the multifaceted needs for spiritual direction and leadership. Even Jesus, when he sent out his disciples. He sent them out how many by how many? Two by two. You see, we need one another. Everyone who is called to lead Christ's church is in need of other leaders to come alongside them and Paul, therefore, he says, appoint elders, plural, in every town, singular, as I directed you. See, Paul very specifically directed Titus to appoint elders. It says he directed him to do this already. He's simply, in this letter, reinforcing that. In fact, this is the same word that is used of Jesus' commands and His instruction to His disciples. Places like Matthew 11:1, Luke 17 verse 10. This is even a word that's used in imperial or a militaristic context. For instance, Acts 18, verse 2, it says that, that Claudius he directed, he commanded that the Jews leave. It was a, a imperial sanction. In Acts 23 31, and Acts 24 23, we have this word that I have direct, that we have direction used of Roman soldiers. Therefore, this is a very specific, important instruction that Titus is called to carry out. And we see that Paul, uh, throughout the New Testament, directs in his epistles that which the church was to follow through with. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, he says, This is my rule in all the churches. And he goes on to instruct the churches. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 34, he says, about other things that I will will give direction when I come. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, he talks about the church in Galatia, and he says, as I directed the churches of Galatia. You see, Paul, who was called with, with apostolic authority, was divinely commanding the churches under his care. And how they were to follow the Lord in health and strength. And we see that very same thing here in in chapter 1, verse 5. That this church was incomplete without godly leadership. As I directed you, Titus, so you are to do. As we look at this text this morning, we're left to ask ourselves several questions. Question number one that we are left to ask ourselves, is first of all, are we connected to a local church body? I don't mean is your body here? Do you come to church every Sunday? But are you integra- uh, integra- uh, intricately connected to the body as a body part is a part of the physical body? Because we see that just as there is to be leadership connected to one another for the the the, the leadership's health and also for the health of the church body, so each member must be connected to one another. Are you content to just come? Are you content to just have your body here? Listen, that's not the way that God has ordained us to run the Christian life. Are you connected? Are you willing to join hands with the brothers and sisters in this room to say, you know what? I want to formally, I want to be a part of of formally committing to pursue the covenant of membership that is laid out for us from the scriptures. I want to do that hand in hand with the brothers and sisters here. I realize that apart from the group, I'm left in a spiritually vulnerable place. I think a second question, just an introduction, as we introduce this concept of eldership, I think secondly, we need to ask ourselves, am I, as a a church member, am I just content to let the leaders of this church whatever they're labeled, elders, deacons, whatever, we'll talk about that. Am I content to let them do the ministry of this body? Or do I see my individual calling here? And when I say, do I see my individual calling here, uh, like what our small group talked about um, in, in small group, we often think of commitment to the church body being something like, okay, well, I'm going to be committed to the church body or say in our minds, I am committed to the church body because I'm involved in this and this and this. Listen, we can be involved in, in everything, yet be spiritually isolated. You see, commitment to the church body is first a commitment to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And then commitment to the church body is in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I see that I also need to walk alongside other brothers and sisters. And I want to be connected spiritually to them, to be in prayer for them, to be walking and encouraging them in their Christian life. And then out of that comes service. Many times we get it all switched around. But are we, con- are we content to just leave ministry up to other people and leave it up to the leadership and say, you know what, I can be content with that. I think as we go through this we need to ask ourselves, am I doing what God has called me to do? Have I kinda taken the back seat? Have I been content even to say, well I've done it for a long time so let, let, the- let- The other guys do it. Let the other ladies do it. And then, thirdly, I think this morning we need to be challenged to be in prayer for our leadership. I think we need to be challenged to seek to join hands with our leadership and praying for them. I think we need to be in prayer for our church, that we would be the church God desires us to be. Because the way that God sovereignly has purpose to work is through prayer. Are we praying for the leadership of Covington Baptist Church? Are we praying for the leadership of of the local churches that we are partners with in our our area? Are we praying that, that we would uphold them in prayers, in support, and to be about the Father's business ourselves?